All right, then let's stand and read just what we've been reading every time since we've gotten on the patriarchs, and that's Genesis 12. And I'm going to read just a few verses, and then we'll get right into it. Genesis 12. Tonight we're going to talk about Joseph from pit to pinnacle, from the pit to pinnacle. And let's just read now. This is the beginning. This is a huge, dramatic shift in the book of Genesis with the appearance of Abram. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And what is this called that we're reading? The Abrahamic The Abrahamic Covenant begins in verse 2, I will make you a great nation, I'll bless you, make your name great, you will be a blessing, I'll bless those that bless you, curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, and of course that's through Messiah. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, bless it to our hearts, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you can be seated. Now, real quick recap. The first 11 chapters of Genesis covers huge epical events, Uh, the creation of the universe, the creation of man, the fall of man, the flood, and um, the Tower of Babel, the scattering of the people, the scattering of the languages, all that came with that. And we find that in Genesis 3.15, God gives the first promise of a coming Messiah, And I keep going back to that because it's so pivotal to the whole book. Because the whole book is the outgrowth of Genesis 3.15. When God says to the devil, to to Satan, following the fall, he says, I'm going to raise up from the seed of the woman one who's going to bruise your head. And that's talking about death blow. That's talking about a, a fatal wound. He's going to bruise your head, and you're going to bruise Satan. You're going to bruise his heel. To me, that is an uncanny prediction of the cross where Jesus experienced the spike go through his heel. Now, that's the promise. God said it's going to come. This person, this satanic destroyer, is going to come from the seed of the woman. And so there he leaves it. Now we saw several times in Genesis the devil tried to stop that promise. We won't go into all those tonight, but there were several distinct times in Genesis and throughout history where Satan made a huge, massive attempt to stop that Genesis 3.15 from coming to pass. All the way up to the death of all the children two years old and under in the days of Jesus when Christ was a baby. Rachel weeping for her children. Because they were not. That was Satan trying to murder the baby, the infant Jesus. But every satanic attempt to stop Genesis 3.15 from being fulfilled was foiled by God. Because Satan never checkmates God. And now you come to, as we just read, the appearance of Abram. Abram was the beginning. He was the beginning, the father of the Hebrew race, and he was the father of our faith. For Abraham was declared righteous, not by works, but by faith. And when God declared him righteous by faith, he became the first 
he became the father of all who are declared righteous by faith after him. And that's us. That's why we be the children of Abraham. Because everybody in this room has put their faith in Christ. You were declared righteous by your faith in the Word of God. It's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe God. And everybody who is born again has to do more than believe in God. You have to believe God and His declaration of His Son. God has sent a witness concerning Jesus. And everyone who believes that witness is declared righteous. Righteous by faith. So we're the children of Abraham. So we've looked at the life of Abraham. Then we looked at the life of Isaac. And then last time, Jacob. And tonight, my favorite Old Testament character, Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. And because Joseph takes up chapters 37 to 50 in Genesis, he's got to be important. Because he, they pick up the story of Joseph in chapter 37 and goes all the way to the end of Genesis in chapter 50 is focused on Joseph, the incredible drama of Joseph. I've been saved since I was 16. I've read this story of Joseph umpteen times. I do not ever read this story of Joseph from start to finish without weeping. I just can't do it. It's so touching. It has all the pathos, all the drama, all, the, the, all of the emotionalism of an incredible story, a human drama. And so because Joseph is so focused on I'm going to really focus on him tonight. And let's just, let's just kind of make like a rock that skips across a pond. It goes boom, 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 boom. That's the way a rock skips. Now what we're going to do is we're going to skip across the story of Joseph and we're going to hit the highlights, okay? Now, Joseph was the dearest son of Jacob because he was his first child with Rachel. His life is one of the most beautiful in the Bible. It dedicates 14 chapters to him in one of the most beautiful stories of all humanity. Now, this is real important, everybody. He's a type of Christ, and he's a type of a Christian. Up to 130 similarities between Joseph and Jesus Christ have been enumerated. A type of a Christian in his sufferings and his triumph. The life of Joseph is full of joys and tribulations like yours and mine. Anybody in here had a little bit of tribulation since you were saved? A problem or two? All right. And Stephen in the book of Acts summarizes it by saying that God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. And God will you too. He was born when Jacob was already 90 years old. He was the loved son of Jacob, as you and I are also the loved children of our Father in heaven. His brothers envied him. Everybody say with me, envy wears many disguises. Yep. You get good and blessed, watch out for the green-eyed monster. And decided to kill him by casting him into a deep well where he would die of starvation and thirst. But finally they decided to sell him as a slave at the age of 17. What suffering. Think about this. If you had been 17 and your brothers had sold you into slavery, Scripture says that God was with him. Tragically, the brothers told a grieving, broken-hearted Jacob that a beast had killed him. That just blows me away when I read that, how they could watch poor old Jacob, who had known so much trouble and sorrow and trials in his own life up to that point, how they could tell him 
Sorry, they, they hood out, or, or handed out that uh, coat of many colors, and they had poured animal blood all over it. And they said, is this your son's coat? Cruel, cruel. In Egypt, Potiphar places upon him, or places him over his entire household. As time passed, the wife of Potiphar lusted after him. There's no other way to put it. That's what happened. When he refused to sleep with her, the jilted wife slandered him, accusing him of trying to violate her. This serious accusation sent Joseph to jail for eight to ten years. Wow. Now here he is already sold into slavery. He knows he did the right thing in resisting this woman. And yet, for doing the right thing, he is sent to an Egyptian dungeon for eight to ten years. Some even guess up to twelve to thirteen. Imagine... Imagine being a human being, what it would be like. Put yourself there and just imagine some of the thoughts that would dance in your head, especially when the lights were out and you were alone, your head is laid down on that stone bed in a stinky, dark dungeon. Don't you know, being a human being, thoughts like, God's forsaken you. Where is God? What about those dreams you had when you were a kid? What about those, huh? Huh, God's really blessed you, hadn't he? Look at this. So much for your family bowing down to you. So much for the sun and moon and stars bowing down to you. Ain't nobody bowing down to you. You're bowing down to everybody else. Joseph, dreamer. And don't you know, it was a temptation to get bitter at his brothers. If they hadn't sold me into slavery, I wouldn't be here. I'd be at home with my dad in my familiar surroundings. I would not be in this predicament at all. How could they do that? How has there not been a search party sent out for me? What did they tell my daddy? What did they tell Jacob? How come nobody has come looking for me? How come nobody has discovered the truth? Did I not matter? Did I not care? Does nobody care about me? Does nobody care for my soul? How have I been left to die in this dungeon? Like, like a forgotten shadow? You know those things went through his mind. He was normal and he was bright. But you know the amazing thing about Joseph is he didn't get bitter. Let's just read on. It says he went to jail for 8 to 10 years. Still, Scripture says, but God was with him. In chapter 40, Joseph interpreted the dreams of the Pharaoh after being down there all that time. The seven fat cows meant that there would be seven years of great harvest. And the seven skinny cows meant that after those years, there there would come another seven years of bad harvest. And at 30 years of age, Pharaoh named him the governor of all the earth and of Egypt. He who was a foreign Jew was placed over an entire pagan nation. That's why we call this from pit a pinnacle I mean in a night you know what folks it can look really bad one day and the next day God can move I mean there he was in a dungeon there he was no hope there he was forgotten by the baker and butler you know the story there he was it seemed like the whole world had forgotten Joseph and written him off but in one day in one day Joseph 
Pharaoh had a dream. Nobody can interpret it. But we've heard that you can interpret dreams. And so we need you to come. So he shaved real quick, put the brill cream through his hair, put on some nice clothes, and before he knows it, this prisoner who was put down there with the worst of accusations is facing the Pharaoh of Egypt. Here's what I've dreamed, son. Well, here's what it is, Pharaoh. There's going to be seven years of good times, seven years of real bad times, seven years of harvest and seven years of bad, bad famine. You better start storing up grain. The more he talked, the more Pharaoh's countenance changed. He ended up saying, is there any man in all the land in whom dwells the spirit of wisdom and of God like this? He said, pull him out of there. Put rings on his fingers, shoes on his feet. And and, and, and and, in a flash, suddenly, God moved. And now, he who had been in in the dungeon all those years, anybody in Egypt who passes him has got to bow. He has put over the entire land. It was absolutely breathtaking. Stunning reversals. And I want you to know, folks, God can do that. I think one of the best words in the Bible is suddenly. Suddenly. Because there they were the day of Pentecost, praying, and it says, suddenly there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And in a moment... All those frightened, paranoid, nervous, anxiety-riddled disciples became lions for God because the Holy Spirit fell. Suddenly. God can change your life. Suddenly. He can change your circumstances. Suddenly. You ought to believe for a suddenly in your life. Wow. You talk about a promotion. And God is also with you and me in all of our tribulations. We must have patience and trust the Lord who ultimately wants to take us to heaven. Something greater and more beautiful than the triumph of Joseph in Egypt is going to be heaven for us. Amen? As we scan the message of each page of the Old Testament, it is trust in God. And the New Testament message is, have faith in Christ, which is far better. For us, God is not only with us, but he's inside us. It's the big difference between the Old and the New Testaments. It is the big difference between Christianity and any other religion. And again, heaven is our sure outcome. We are citizens of heaven. We just haven't arrived yet. Praise God. Joseph was now rich and powerful. Think about this. Look at the reversal. Joseph is now rich and powerful while his betraying brothers were dying of hunger in Canaan. Oh, how things can change. During the seven years of shortage, they went to Egypt looking for food, one of the great dramas in the Bible, and they met Joseph himself. They did not recognize him. They could not even imagine it. But Joseph recognized them immediately. (laughs) They're starving. They're in need. And what he had dreamed they're bowing down. Carnal man, Adam, would have thrown him in prison, taken him to court. But Joseph pardoned them. Now I'm going to tell you how I believe he did it. Let me just take one moment to tell you how I believe he did it. That man had to have had a revelation. I don't know when, if it was in Potiphar's house, if it was down in the dungeon. I don't know when God spoke to him. 
But he had a revelation that God's hand was so on his life that it was actually God who had sent him to Egypt. He saw that there was a higher purpose, that there was a bigger picture than what the natural eye betrayed. And so his faith was was in God's plan, not what people had done to him. So he was able to say, what you meant for evil, my God meant it for good, to save many people alive and to save the lineage that would bring forth Messiah one day. He saw God's bigger picture. And sometimes, folks, when you're in a trial, when you're really struggling through something, you need to get on your knees and say, Lord, I need the bigger picture. I just need the bigger picture. I need you to speak to me and show me what you're working through these trials in my life. And God will show you that there's a bigger picture. Hey, folks, he's bigger than your enemies. He's bigger than the devil. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And greater is the plan of God over your life than anything people will try to do against you. And he believed that. And when he got a hold of the bigger picture, it released him from bitterness. He said, how can I be bitter? How can I be bitter? What you meant for evil, God's hand was in it. God used you. He got me here. And now look at me. I'm second only to Pharaoh. I'm the man. And this had to be the hand of God. Amen? So sometimes we really need the bigger picture. There he is. And it says, Joseph recognized them immediately, pardoned them as God pardons, and he filled them with goods and honors. And eventually all the family of Jacob, including himself, came to Egypt to the protective covering of their governor, brother Joseph. We have to be the Joseph of our relatives and friends. Do you all hear that? It's Christmas time. Say amen. Amen. We have to be the Joseph of our relatives and friends, the pardoner. God always works through a person. He always brings his gifts to us through another person. When God wants to bless you, he brings a person into your life. Abraham, Moses, Joseph, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the apostles, the evangelists, our father, our mother, relatives and friends. He even uses our enemies as he did in the life of Joseph. And you and I must also learn to pardon. We learn this from Joseph. If Joseph could pardon what they did to him, he wasn't in the new covenant. He wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit baptism. He had none of what we do. He didn't even have the scriptures. He had no Bible, but he pardoned. Never to keep resentments because resentment creates its own type of hell. Can I have an amen? And mostly in the heart of the one who resents. To pardon is the very first fruit of love. It creates a heaven around you and mostly in your own soul. And the secret of a happy marriage is two people who know how to pardon. Any successful marriage is made up of two good forgivers. Right, honey? That's right. Kathy teaches me to forgive. She's a better Christian than I am. When it comes to things like that, I struggle with forgiveness, uh, and some, sometimes she'll tell me, well, here's the way I've worked through it. I go, really? Okay, teach me. How'd you work through it? And she's, um, she's wonderful with that. Now watch. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. One of the uncanny aspects of Joseph's life is found in the striking similarities between himself and Christ Jesus. As we mentioned, over 130 of them have been found. Let me just name a few. These are so powerful. Both Jesus and Joseph were the favorite son of a wealthy father. Is God wealthy or not? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Both were rejected and hated by their brothers. Joseph by his flesh and blood brothers. 
What does John say about Jesus? He came to his own. His own is referring to the Jewish people, and his own received him not. That's John 1. Then it says, both were sold for the price of a slave. Joseph was put on a slave block and sold, and Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver that Judas repented of later and threw back into the temple and went and ended his life. Now, their brothers conspired to kill both of them. Joseph eventually was not killed, but Jesus was. But they both experienced the conspiracy from brothers to kill them. Joseph reconciled with his brothers, and soon he raised them to honor. Jesus did the same, and he died for our redemption. And the Bible says that the day is going to come when the Jewish people fully turn to Christ. They're going to look on him whom they have pierced and weep over him. So the day is coming when Jesus is going to be reconciled to his brothers. Amen? Praise God. Joseph fed with bread all the people in the seven years of shortage, and Jesus is the bread of life, and Jesus fed the hungry with multiplied fishes and loaves. Joseph was the savior of his people and of the Gentiles. Jesus is the savior of all mankind. Both loved those who hated them, pardoning them, and even raising them to honor. Both were shepherds. Both were taken into Egypt to avoid being killed. Both began their ministry at the age of 30. Both were filled with the Spirit of God. Both were humble and unaffected by power and fame. Both loved people freely. Both gained the confidence of others quickly. Both gave bread to hungry people that came to them. Both resisted the most difficult temptations. Both were given vision into the future. Both were hated for their teachings. Both were falsely accused. Both were silent in front of their accusers. Both were condemned between two prisoners. Jesus between the two thieves and Joseph, the butler and the baker. Both were not recognized by their own brethren. Both became a servant and both became a Lord. Jesus, Lord of lords, and Joseph, Lord over all of Egypt. And guess what? If you wanted to live in Joseph's day, you had to turn to Joseph. If you want to live in our day, you got to turn to Jesus. There is no life apart from him. And if you turn to him, he will feed you of the bread of life. Praise God. Genesis finishes on a somber note with a coffin containing Joseph. But boy, this is so powerful because now the stage is set. All the pieces are in place when Joseph dies. God's chosen people are in Egypt in the form of the 12 sons and the tribes. In the next 400 years, that little clan will grow into over a million people, a nation. A new Pharaoh that knew not Joseph will rule and bring them all into hard slavery. And a new type of Christ will emerge named Moses. And that is where the next book in the Bible begins, Exodus. And what I love about the story of Joseph, Joseph gives instructions concerning his bones. I love this. He says, now, I'm in Egypt, but this is not where I want to stay. When God delivers you from this place, he's speaking prophetically, When God delivers you from this place, he says, I want you to carry my bones with you, and I want you to bury me in the land of promise. Do you see that that's a picture of the rapture of the church? Because he says, to them, the land of promise was Canaan. He said, I'm in Egypt, but this is not my home. 
And this is not where I want to remain. When God sends the deliverer and you are delivered from this place, you carry my bones with you and you bury them in the land of promise. Folks, do you see the parallel? One day, Jesus is going to come again. And we can say we're on earth, but we're not of the earth. We're in it, but we're not of it. And we say the same thing to him. When deliverance comes and we are taken from this place, don't leave me here. Carry my bones in resurrection power. Give me that glorified body and carry me into glory, into heaven where Jesus waits for me. That's where I'm meant to be. That's my home. And one day, one day they were delivered and they got the bones of Joseph and they carried them by deliverance power into the land of promise. And it will be so with you and me. One day soon. Are you with me, church? The trump is going to blow. I don't care what people in our culture say, how many churches backslide from the Word of God. The fact remains, the trump will blow. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Those of us who happen to still be here will be caught up together with them, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. We will meet them together in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that's what cranks my chain, puts umption in my gumption, and fire in my bones. Praise God. And so with Joseph, we have a beautiful, beautiful picture. A beautiful picture. And so we close out the book of Genesis. And I'm so excited about looking at 1 John. Oh, we're going to learn some things from 1 John. I'm telling you, some of you are going to get set free from some things you have thought First John said that it doesn't really say. We're going to get into the Word and find out. But let's stand together tonight and let's just thank God that as Joseph was brought out into the land of Canaan, we're going to be brought out into heaven. Let's just thank the Lord. Lord, we just thank you that our hope is not in vain. We thank you, Lord, that we have not placed our faith in a fable, in a false tale, in something that somebody made up, that, Lord, you came and you died for us and have placed within us the earnest of what is coming. We thank you, Lord God, that our hope will not leave us ashamed and it will not leave us, uh, Lord, without what we're hoping for. But you're coming, and we thank you for it. Help us to minister Jesus to this culture and to this world the real Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We'll give the Lord a hand of praise and you're dismissed. Oh, Kathy?